servant, a slave to Christ. I have refused and will refuse. And Jesus saved me. I refuse to follow anyone else. Jesus is Paul's master. He secondly said he's an apostle. Capital A apostle, okay? That means that he, like the other 12 apostles, Judas, of course, uh, hung himself. And he's no longer considered an apostle. So Matthias comes in and then, then Paul sees Jesus on the Damascus road. He is called an apostle, which means he is the authoritative or one of the authoritative writers of scripture. And he is one of the sent ones into the known world and beyond to proclaim the gospel. And then thirdly, he says, he is set apart. Paul is set apart. He is set apart or given the mission of the proclamation of the gospel as are we. Okay? That leads us into the second uh, verse of Romans chapter 1. And this is the first teaching that we'll get to. The grace and love of God's promise. Okay? The grace and love of God's promise. God promises many things throughout scripture. He promises blessings. And he promises judgment. We're going to talk about that in the book of Romans quite a bit. One promise that shows his grace and his love is the promise that a Messiah would come to save his people. That was, according to Romans 1 verse 2, it was promised beforehand that God would send a Messiah Now, you don't understand the the depth of that or the implications of that unless you understand the human condition. And you can be in denial about the human condition, but it's clear in Scripture. By the way, the book uh, that we call the Bible, all 66 books of this Bible, it's the story of God and His redemption, okay? It's the story about who He is, who we are in light of Him, and what He did to save and redeem people, okay? So... You have to understand the implications that a Messiah would come because all of human history from the garden until now is rife with human rebellion. It's not mistakes. Like, I like to say things like, oh, I made a mistake. Um, You know, I I make mistakes all the time, quote unquote. Sometimes those mistakes aren't mistakes. They're, They're sin. They're rebellion against God. And when God promises beforehand that he's going to send a Messiah, that it's promised beforehand, before, uh, before you know and before history starts, he's promised to send a Messiah, it's because we're in rebellion to him and we need to be saved from our own rebellion. Okay, so Paul starts this letter by saying, there is a grace and love of God's promise in the Messiah that you don't even understand the depth of because you don't understand the depth of your own rebellion against God and your need for a Messiah to save you from your sin. Verse 2, the gospel of God was promised beforehand through the prophets in the scriptures. God loves us enough to tell us what he's going to do about our sin and rebellion. He is going to send a savior. Now, that's an important message. It's the core of the gospel message. One of the main tenets that we need to understand is our rebellion requires a Messiah, a Savior. And that Savior, according to this passage, must be two things. Okay? Very important. Uh, This is where we're going to start getting into things that you read quickly and think, oh yeah, I get that. 
But unless you understand, <clears throat> excuse me, the depth of that, you will not understand uh, philosophically as well as from a Christian worldview what's going on with Paul in the book of Romans as he begins to unpack this argument uh, about who God is and how he is great and he is good. Okay, Savior must be two things. He must be fully man and fully God. Now, we know that because in verse 3 it says that the Messiah descended from David, Jesus descended from David. Okay, so the lineage in the Gospels is the lineage of Jesus descending from David. He is in the line or lineage of King David. So he was fully human, flesh and blood. He walked on the earth. He got blisters from his sandals. Okay? He didn't float around on a cloud. Some people believe that Jesus was a mystical apparition that just appeared here and there throughout his time on the earth, that he wasn't fully human. According to scripture, he has to be fully human. Flesh and blood, he has to be fully, uh, 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 excuse me, he's descended from David, so he's a fully human man, and it's prophesied that he would come from the line of David throughout the Old Testament, and the, the lineage of David is a royal lineage, okay? So Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, while on the earth, he didn't appear to be that way. He wasn't like being toted around in a chariot with magnificent gold and, and all of the things that a king might have. He, he was a, a royal king of kings and Lord of lords, but he was not appearing that way, but he is that way now. And I'll get to that here in a second. So he's descended from David, and then Paul says, <clears throat> he also is declared to be the son or the son of God. He is divinity. He is perfect. He is the second member of the Trinity. Christians believe in a Trinitarian God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three different persons that share the same essence. It's a trinity. It's described in scripture. The word isn't used, but it is described in scripture. Jesus is the son of God. And the Jewish people, as well as the Roman people who heard this, would understand that to mean that Jesus was perfect. He was divine. So he was fully human and fully God. Now, why do I go on a little bit about that? Because any claim to the contrary is not an accurate portrayal of Jesus. Now, this is, this is one example of how um, this is super important, okay? If you have one of those, like, scary spy devices that Google makes, I think they call it Google Home, or is it a different thing now? It's in your house, and you say stuff, and it starts talking to you. I will never have one of those in my house. That is creepy, okay? There was an article uh, written recently that claimed that Google Home can tell you who Allah is, can tell you who Buddha is, but when asked, who is Jesus, the response from Google Home is, sorry, I don't know how to answer that yet. Shocking. Jesus is the center of human history, fully man, fully God, and yet we, we try to deny in many different ways 
who he is, the existence of him, or we try to change the fact that he's fully human and fully God at the same time. Paul and the rest of Scripture tell us that God, or excuse me, Jesus is fully God and fully human. And he tells the Romans this first thing, because life gets messed up when you misrepresent who Jesus is. Folks, this is why we have chosen for a majority of our time, when we preach, when we stand up here on Sunday mornings and preach and teach God's word, we go straight through the Bible because we want you to know who Jesus has declared himself to be. We don't want to support your misrepresentations of who he is. Very important. You need to know who he is because when you misrepresent who he is, life gets messed up. Now, on the contrary, when you know who he is and who we are in relation to him, and the book of Romans goes into this in great detail, life gets much clearer, but it doesn't get easier, right? If you know who Jesus is and he's your Lord and Savior and you follow him and you know the Bible and you know the truth about who Christ is and life has gotten clearer for you, but it hasn't gotten easier, you know what that means. Culturally, we would say Jesus is the same as what the Romans said he was. This is what the Romans thought of Jesus. And they had just began to hear about him when Paul was writing this this letter. They thought he was a teacher. He was a wise man. He was maybe a revolutionary. He was a philosopher. Um, Maybe some people, because of the pagan deities and the pantheon of all the pagan deities that the Romans believed in, maybe some thought he was one of those Uh, Roman pagan deities. Now, any of that, and we believe the same thing, by the way. In our culture, we believe that Jesus was a teacher, but not God. A wise man, but not God. A revolutionary, but not God. A philosopher, but not God. And yet he declares himself to be God. And why do human beings do that? It's an attempt to keep Jesus in his place and us on the throne or in the rulership of our lives instead of Christ. That's what we face as we are here 10 years, okay, um, behind the scenes, if you don't know what those are like, this is hard ground. Denver is hard ground. Many cities in, in North America, North America in general, pretty hard ground for the gospel to take root and to flourish. Now, some people would say it hasn't been for some people that call themselves Christians. And I say, well, they've capitulated who Christ is. They're not speaking uh, truthfully about him and who he is. He is fully man, fully God. He is the divine one. But we don't like that. We want to make ourselves the Lord of our lives. And so we say Jesus is a teacher, a wise man, a revolutionary, a philosopher. Now, you, you have to be alert to that because that is the, the uh, battleground that we face. The human heart wants to take its own life and wants to be on the throne of its own life, and it does not want to be a bondservant or slave to Christ. It would rather be a slave to sin. Now, Jesus, it later says in, in these couple of verses here, Jesus is proven to be divine for one reason. Here it goes. He rose from the grave. Jesus rose from the grave. No other human in history can claim that they uh, rose from the grave. Now, Jesus rose others from the grave through his power. But 
Jesus, through his own power, rose from the grave. He was risen from death to life. This makes Jesus Christ Lord. He is the owner, the ruler, the one who commands. He is Sir, S-I-R, okay? It says Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ, our Lord. That word Lord means owner, ruler, one who commands, or Sir. Paul, in this beginning passage of Romans, is setting us up to make sure we listen to what the owner, ruler, and one who commands has to say in the rest of this letter. Leads us to 5 through 7 of this passage. Second teaching. The gifts of God's grace and love. There are gifts as a result of God's grace and love. God has a present for New City Church on our 10th year anniversary. Three things. Grace, apostleship, and the obedience of faith. If Jesus is Lord, it must mean something in the life of the believer. A lot of people have done um, all these research studies and they've said that Christianity is on the decline in North America. And some researchers have pushed back and said, you know, Christianity in terms of its essence and its truth, and not just being a nominal Christian, meaning by name only, but like true followers of Christ... That number is actually probably growing, but it's becoming easier to say, eh, you know what, I'm not really a follower of Christ. I don't believe all that stuff. I was reading a comment um, on, a, on the same article that I referenced earlier where Google Home doesn't know who Jesus is. And pro- Google probably just heard that and they're going to be spying on me now, but pray, pray for me. Um, in the same article, there was a comment down in the comment section, and it, it, was, it was so perfect because the person said, um, shame on adults for believing in imaginary people. Like basically calling Christians crazy for believing in Jesus Christ. It, it's become easier in our culture. Actually, maybe it's this way. It's become harder to really be a follower of Christ To be a person who says, man, the Bible is true. It's infallible, authoritative, inerrant. It's the way. Jesus is the way to the Father. No one comes to him except through Jesus Christ. Those believers, those who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior and are true followers of Christ, it's very easy to say, you know what, I'm not that. That's pretty hardcore. Uh, Hardcore is essential. It's, it's the roots of everything that, that we believe. And God has a present for us on our 10-year anniversary for those who are followers of Christ, grace, apostleship, and obedience of faith. And if Jesus is Lord, it must mean something in the life of the believer. Number one, Jesus has given you grace. This word means that Jesus has given you credit. Credit. Now, There was one time in college where, like, I was freaking out because I had procrastinated like all college students do, except for you, Hunter. Of course, you're not procrastinating. My my oldest son, who's in his first semester of college, um, he doesn't procrastinate. Right, son? Yes, thank you. Um, 
I procrastinated. I showed up to the assignment. I think it was a quiz or a, like a, a, a speech or something like that. And the professor stood up and said, I want you all to know, I'm not going to make you take this test. I'm not going to do this, but whatever it was, the assignment was, you are being given full credit for something you didn't do. That's what grace is. You are responsible for your sin and the wages of sin, as we'll find out later in the book of Romans, is death. And God gives us grace or credit. He gave it to Paul. He gives it to you. He gives it to followers of Christ. It's your death is given to Christ and his righteousness is given to you. We call it unmerited favor. You can call it credit. That's what the literal word means. Credit to your account was given by Jesus. Second, Jesus has given us apostleship. Now that's different than the capital A apostle that I mentioned earlier. Remember, we said that if a modern day person claims to be a capital A apostle, and some of them do, run as fast as you can. There were only 13 capital A apostles. However, followers of Christ have been given gifting or, or um, a responsibility of apostleship, small a. Its meaning is special messengers. The deepest desire of my heart in starting this church was to be a messenger for the gospel and to send out special uh, special messengers for the gospel. That's what our church exists for. Now, this is the thing about messengers. Going back to our 10-year history, I could tell you many, many, many stories uh, uh, of some really difficult times in the life of this church. And I could tell you many, many stories of great times, times full of joy in the life of this church. But I'm going to tell you, on this side of heaven... Messengers of the gospel are going to get shot. It's going to be hard. You're going to take blows from your family, from your friends, from your community. But those blows and those shots and those hits just means that you're part of a local Jesus-centered church and you're a special, uh, I can't say that word today, special messenger. This is what it means. Don't hide the message. Don't hide the message. I would sing you the song, but that would make me look silly. But don't hide the light of the gospel of God under a bushel. Let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. Do not hide the message of the gospel. It's taken us 10 years to kind of prepare a foundation. And I think God in this next decade might use that foundation to really see in the life of this church special messengers going out with the word and the proclamation of the gospel. The last thing that Jesus gives us And he gives to the Roman Christians, and Paul talks about it in this passage. Jesus has given us an obedience of faith. It's really interesting that the way he words it here, that we have been given an obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. 
including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. What is an obedience of faith? Well, when you are saved, Jesus gives you a faith and a trust in his promises that they are good and that you want to obey out of love for God, not to get more of God's love. If you come to me um, for counseling, and some of you do and will, and that's great, I love that. It's probably not my, my highest gifting for sure. But my main counseling tact uh, and tactic is this. Obedience will bring you more joy in life. And obedience is a natural result of knowing God and trusting God. He gives us this obedience so that his name will be known among the nations. Our church exists so that the name of Jesus would be known among the nations. Uh, Alexis Gruber, young college student, going to the Ivory Coast. We do a lot of work with a group that helps a ton in Haiti. We've sent people from this church who felt called to go to Austin, Texas, Abilene, Texas, um, other parts of North America where they weren't going to necessarily plant a church or be, quote-unquote, a missionary like we think of missionaries, but they were going because they felt God was leading them to be a part of a community and a part of a local church that would, for the sake of Jesus' name, make him known among the nations. Now, that whole thing doesn't happen with everyone out there. It happens with us as individuals. It's not just... The other people will take care of that because in this passage, Paul says, this includes you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. The world's problems are a result of sin. And we know the person who is victorious over all sin. He was promised beforehand. He is Jesus, the divine one who is also fully human. His resurrection proves that he is God and he is to be listened to. And because of that, Paul can say, grace and peace to you from God. Now, when you read a little bit further past verse 7, and especially chapter 1, chapter 1 is challenging. Chapter 1 of Romans has resulted in people protesting churches. Chapter 1 of Romans has resulted in people being picketed. Chapter 1 of Romans has resulted in things happening in a person's life that don't look like grace and peace. So Paul, in verse 7, says, Grace and peace to you from God, because here comes the truth. Basically, he is saying this, I love you, but you need to fasten your seatbelts because you're going to be challenged. And as we get ready, I can't think of a better passage to talk about who Jesus is and what it means to truly follow Christ, we will see in the rest of this particular chapter. And so like Paul, grace and peace to you from God. I love you. Please fasten your seatbelts. Here we go. Let's take communion and have some barbecue for the glory of God. Amen. Here we go.
Father God, I thank you for this passage. I thank you that uh, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior over all. I thank you for the 10 years, and I have no idea what the next 10 years will hold, but I pray, God, that you will bless the work of this church, that you will work through the people who call this church their home. Pray that we will be special messengers for the gospel of God. Even as we uh, launch into this next part of the book of Romans, um, the truth of it is is going to be painful. But the remedy and the, the redemption that we see through Jesus Christ will overwhelm us with grace and peace. I pray, God, that you would uh, draw people to this uh, to this teaching, that we would be uh, inviting folks to come and hear about who we are in relationship to Christ and that we can't fake it anymore, we can't be in denial anymore, but we need Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Thank you for the communion table and what it represents, your body broken and your blood shed, so that we are given the credit of your righteousness and you take on our death. We ask that you would bless our time together as we celebrate outside with communion uh, and then our barbecue and the games together. May the fellowship bring glory to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.